Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of the Theater Enthusiast Podcast. I am very excited to welcome our next guest. She's currently starring as Angelica. I have to sing it. Like, you cannot not sing that. I'm sorry. She's starring as Angelica Schuyler in Hamilton. Please welcome Ms. Jenny Harney Fleming. Oh, wait, yeah. hold on. There it is. It, it always happens. That's awesome. <laughs> You know, it's great. And I always say this to every guest who comes on, you can hear it on the Zoom, but for some reason, the recording just like cuts it really quickly. Yeah. But who's ever listening, it's like, yeah. Oh, well, Jenny, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. And Allison, thank you for having me. Of course. And I just also want to thank you because I know you have a busy schedule. It's the holiday season, like lots of things in life are happening for you. So thank you for taking the time out to, to chat about life and theater I uh, so yes. I always, yeah so let's start with what I always start with where are you from I am born and raised in Brooklyn New York City oh what I don't know why every time I'm like oh, New York Long Island represent <laughs> there you go yeah so have you always been interested in performing because I know you started at a very early age like four right yeah, I started dancing at four. Um, my my father used to be in the theater industry, um, and he still does uh, directing at, at our church. Um, but um, he left the industry before I was born, um, but still taught me and my siblings and some of the kids around the neighborhood about theater and stuff like that. And so I just kind of followed in his footsteps because I had such an early introduction to it and everything. Yeah. So were you, I'm assuming that you were performing all through school because you ended up going to the very famous fame high school, LaGuardia. Yeah. Yeah. I, I performed when I was in elementary school. I did the talent shows, you know, saying I was known as the Lion King girl because I was saying, I want to be a Lion King. <laughs> What's the You It's still on Broadway. You can make, you can yeah, do it. Listen, I would have if they let me. Um, but um, yeah, so I just did in elementary school, I mostly stuck to the um, talent shows. And then uh, eventually I was, I got into uh, um, 113 in Brooklyn. It's a, it's a junior high school that um, caters to the arts. It's kind of, kind of like the precursor to LaGuardia in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I went on to LaGuardia. I was a dance major and then I switched over to music and then I went to AMDA eventually. It took a few, few years to make up my mind. And then I went on to AMDA. So it's been kind of, you know, sequential in that yeah. way. And I, and I always performed after school and over the summer and like different summer programs or, you know, in the church choir and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, you went to AMDA, there's a lot of performing, you know, there's a lot of theater schools out there in the world, especially in New York. What made you mm -hmm. decide particularly on AMDA? Um, that decision was based on a couple of different things. I think the fact that it took me a little longer to make a decision about what I wanted to do, you know, what I felt confident in pursuing as a career. Um, I didn't know that I, I didn't know if I was willing to do a four year conservatory. And since they had the two year option and I had already accrued some credits from um, going to a CUNY in Brooklyn. Um, I said, well, maybe I can get my degree, you know, cumulatively over the years, but still get a jump start on my career since I've kind of made this turn 
later than I would have liked to. So that was one impetus for it. Uh, another was that it was it's here. It's in the epicenter of everything that we want to do. I can do research and go see shows and be in school and you know figure out how to how one can feed the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, it, it's just right, it was right there. It was right by my high school. It was right by Juilliard. It's right by Lincoln Center. So I, I thought location wise, it was it was it was no it was no brainer. Yeah. What was your first Broadway show you ever saw? I'm I'm just totally curious about that because you grew up, you know, in the art scene. What was the first mm-hmm. show on Broadway you saw? The first show probably that I can remember seeing because I know I saw some when I was young, young. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we moved to California for a short stint and then I came back to New York. And when we came back, I think it was Les Mis. That was my first Broadway show too. And I was five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for years, like I would tell my mom, I was like, you don't take a five-year-old to see Les Mis. And then like a couple of years ago, she was like, you need to get over it. The tickets were free. <laughs> like, <laughs> relax. My <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I believe that was the first Broadway show that I saw that I can recall. Um, but I remember growing up and listening to the Bette Midler album of um, Gypsy mm-hmm. and just knowing it and just belting it at sat- on Saturday mornings. I didn't know anything about what was being talked about. I was like yeah. six, but I would just, you know, I was so attached to the album. And then, of course, there's all kinds of other music that we hear all the time. We don't know what it's from. And then, you know, one day we see the show and we're like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, I was watching uh, Jennifer Hudson talk to um, Howard Stern because I sometimes just watch like random YouTubes and mm-hmm. talk to different um, actors about auditioning for like really big roles that were in their career. And she was talking about her audition for Dreamgirls. And she was mm-hmm. saying that she didn't know anything about the musical. She just knew the music. So I think that is true for a lot of people when it comes to to shows. Because the music yeah. is so great. I mean, you can't really be yeah. Gypsy and Dream Girls music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't. Bette Miller, come on. Um, but uh, my father actually originated uh, Curtis Taylor Jr. in the original Dream Girls. That's amazing. So that was yeah. So that was really that goes to show you how much of a role his career did take in or uh, have on me. The impact yeah. that it had on me. So when it's revived on Broadway and you're in the show. Mm-hmm. You can be like, <laughs> my dad was the original. Like that's gonna be like that's gonna be articles. Like, right, right. His father was also in Dream Girls. Yeah, I'm waiting for that. Has to be revived. I'm surprised that hasn't come here yet. Yeah, it it did and it didn't. It. Yeah. I believe they they did a production. I think in 2011 that was started in New York and then went on tour. But I. Th- I'm pretty sure it was up at the Apollo in yeah. Harlem. Mm-hmm. I remember they, that. They did yeah, yeah. My old roommate works international business, and uh, mm-hmm. I think she did work on that production. And oh. they, yeah, they bring they brought it to Japan. I think like they always bring <sighs> like the same shows, like West Side Story, A Chorus Line, Dream Girls. And that's my joke with her is like it's always the same shows, and she's like, yeah, but they love it there. So I guess like. You know, if it works, mm-hmm. there you go. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, exactly. So you graduate from AMDA. What is the next step? What happens next? 
Uh, after I graduated, uh, they set you up very well here in the city in terms of giving you an opportunity to um, be seen by agents and having panel nights and just starting to build those relationships and networking before you even leave the school. And then that last semester, you're given permission to go and audition. You're not, they, they kind of frown upon it prior to that. And then that last semester, they're like, yeah, go audition. Um, and so I did. And so when I left Anda, I left both with an agent and having booked my first um, production. And it was a theater works tour mm-hmm. where I don't know if they're doing it the same way they did then, but it was a bus and truck where you earned every stitch of your equity card. I mean, every stitch, because you are in the cold in one van with your five person cast slash crew and everybody has multiple roles to fill. Mm-hmm. You know, you are building the set, you know, uh, setting up and breaking down your set every show. You're doing each other's laundry. You know, you're driving from one, you know, state to the other state at eight o'clock in the morning to f- perform in freezing cold gymnasiatoriums, you know, for a bunch of screaming third graders. You know what I mean? Like, you that's that's kind of like that time period where it's like I'm doing it because I love it I'm doing it because I love it you know you have to remember yeah. why you're doing it because you're earning it you know what I mean you're 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 earning your stripes in a way I don't know if it's still the same now yeah uh, but that's how you know 10 years ago but um and then after that I had um while I was on tour I think I had already booked a second regional theater production um, I think it was a production of Beehive or Thunder Knocking Up the Door. I can't remember, but I went to a couple of different regional houses and did a couple of productions. And then, you know, um, you know, that's the, that's the funny thing about our industry is that uh, somewhere in our minds, we start to believe that the trajectory is a straight inclination, mm-hmm. you know, and as not, yeah. it will never that you, you know somebody you will turn around and somebody has booked Hamilton out of college you'll mm-hmm. turn around and somebody has not booked nothing no agent no you know nothing and will have you know just be working their butt off for years and then you'll turn your head and they'll have originated a Broadway role that's blowing up all over the place yeah. you know what I mean there'll be people that showed so much pro- progress, uh, a, pr- a promise, top of their class, the most talented people you've ever seen. And you leave college and you don't see them nowhere. Mm-hmm. Or people that will go overseas and will make a name for themselves there. And that's, you know, that's what they've learned how to do. You know what I mean? It's just, the paths are just so unpredictable and you really got to do it because you love it. Don't do it because you want no money because that is few and far between. Yeah. Um, and you're going to be doing more survival jobs than you probably, you know, anticipated or had hoped. Mm-hmm. Um, and it won't seem fair. It'll, you know, but it's, it's, you just, you got to let go of comparison. That's the biggest, that's the biggest thing, honestly. I think that's such an por- important lesson to learn as well, because I think at least for me, when I was in college blank years ago, cause you know, I'm a certain age now. Um, that, you know, when you're in college and I guess it's maybe it could be just like a bubble of, you know, learning and you think your career is going to go a certain way and, you know, and they do tell you certain things like, you know, for one audition, you like go on hundred auditions, you book one thing or, you know, just how your life goes. It's just such an important lesson that, you know, you never really know 
what, how your career is going to go once you leave college and where you're going to end up. And, you know, getting back to the whole like trajectory of what things are and going back to YouTube clips, I was watching (laughs) Patrick Harris and he was saying that he got cast in something when he was young and somebody took him out and he said, you know, your acting career is going to be like surfing. Cause you know, you're as much as you go out and try and get the wave, sometimes you're going to get the wave and sometimes you're not like, and you'll get the Mm -hmm. wave and you'll be riding the wave. It's going to be great. And then you have to go back out and paddle and try and catch the next wave. And I thought that was such a great metaphor for what performers or whomever's in the industry go to, to have a career because you know, you have people who made their Broadway debuts and doing all these things. And then like a couple of years later, you're like, oh, whatever happened to them? And they're still working, but you just kind of don't hear about them as much mm-hmm. or something else has happened or their career is taking them into a different direction. So I just think that's an important lesson for people who are listening to take in and learn. So thank you mm-hmm. for your insight for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Also, just want to say that uh, Jenny is backstage right now at her job at Hamilton. So that's why Priscilla got her food and there was an announcement yeah. for that. <laughs> so it's how fine. do you... <laughs> No, it's fine. Please don't even worry. Like, I'm sure I live in Manhattan, so I'm sure you'll hear like a, a siren at some point, yeah. you know, through because yeah. people who have listened have heard the many things that happen around me. Uh, so how did Motown come about for you? Motown, uh, I booked Motown in 2013, 13, 14, 14 maybe. Yeah. One of those, 13 or 14, because I got back in 15. I was, on, I was on the road for two, 17 months. So, yeah. um, And uh, Motown, you know, that was a ground up audition. I, 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 now in hindsight, I know that a large part of why I got called in from Motown is from the relationships that I fostered from going into audition for Telsey mm-hmm. um, and for getting really close on certain things. Like there was a Ray Charles musical that I got a final callback for that didn't, you know, the production didn't, you know, go any further past the audition rounds, but you know, I, I because I know so many people were involved in in that that were also involved in Motown. I would be remiss to not make that connection now that I understand how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I went in and I went into for an onstage featured ensemble role, but I was offered a swing track, um, which was very difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, if I if I think if I went in under first of all at that time I did I really didn't understand what a swing was like I got like the premise of it mm-hmm. but I didn't understand what the job was until I started to do it yeah um and unfortunately there's just such a gap in our in the uh, in the education about what it is to swing and to stand by mm-hmm. um and and the skill set that is required to do that sorry my phone was going crazy oh it's fine oh, yeah. it's, you're very popular it's all good don't <laughs> Christmas shopping people like I'm getting this oh I I understand that it's the holidays I get it yeah (laughs) um so yeah I I I, what was I talking about I was talking about a Motown I swinging is is a real getcha gotcha um and you don't realize if if you continue to do the work um 
it takes a second, but then you you realize what your job actually is. You know what I mean? Because I feel like we go in, we think our job is to go and hit hit it and be marvelous and be spectacular. But our job is as swings and standbys is, is more than that, you know? Yes, absolutely. Go in, know the work, do the work with excellence, you know, work on it, you know, you hone your craft. But the juggle of maintaining the information for multiple different tracks and the relationships and not just like I go out from wing two and step on number four stage left and raise my arm, you know, not just the basic blocking up the thing, but understanding the nuances and the energy shifts and the, and the, you know, being a strong enough of an actor or actress to, you know, engage with the regular onstage cast and fill in that space, yeah. you know, without glitch, you know, I mean, they're going to be glitches. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just the bottom line. You got to, you got to embrace that to come along with it. Just let go of that expectation of yourself. Um, but also building relationships with the cast members off stage, anticipating being able to listen and know when somebody's going down or, you know, um, building relationships and rapport with the um, people backstage. You know what I mean? With your sound and your, and your hair and your, you know, wardrobe department and all those wonderful people who support you, props. And it's a, I mean, those are things that you have to do anyway, but it just elevates so much more when you're a swing, how, how much more engaged and um, attentive you have to be in a, in a different way that they don't, nobody tells you, you just have to figure it out once you get there. I definitely want to go back to talking about what it's like being a swing because that was your life in Hamilton for a while. But before we mm-hmm. do that, I do want to talk about your Broadway debut in The Color Purple and what that was like mm-hmm. going into that show because I will admit I didn't see the show until they announced I call her Queen Heather Headley going into it. And I was yeah. just like I I'd never seen it and you know you always get older when you're like oh the show that like was originally on Broadway for the first time when I was in college is now getting revived and you're like oh <laughs> but I had to tell you, like that production was just so incredible and so moving and Cynthia Revo and you also do a beautiful rendition if you guys go on her Instagram you have a beautiful rendition of here I am on there pinned to your channel yes. which I've listened to like three times already I'm not sure <laughs> I really do love that song. Um, But what was that experience like going into that show with that cast? And I'm sure that Cynthia Erivo has won the Tony by then. And it's a very like well-established show. What was that like going in and making your Broadway debut? That was a a roller coaster, really. I, I, the last production contract that I had been on full, full big production prior to that was, it was Motown. I left in 2015, um, I went to do an off-Broadway run of a show of, of, uh, called Pearl, where I originated the role of Pearl Bailey. And, and you were nominated for an award for that, which I can't yeah. think of at the Adelco. moment, but for Best mm-hmm. Actress. That's correct, with the Adelco Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very short run. It was it was in one of those Midtown International Festivals, theater festivals. I can't remember which one. Um, but um, after that, I, I had a season of drought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't booking. I wasn't getting in the room. Um, I was very frustrated with my uh, representation at the time. Um, and I and I didn't understand what was happening. 
and I went back to my survival job. So I went back to temp work. I went back to, you know, um, building my makeup kit and doing, you know, makeup for weddings and stuff like that. I went back to wedding bands. Um, I really had to, like you said, start to paddle. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Look for the next way. And um, I had been in for um, Color Purple twice already. Mm -hmm. um in which the casting director told me you're just not right for the show um and I, I was very confused by it but I I just left alone I, I I had flown back when I had a call back for another show you know um and so when they called me in for it a friend of mine a dear friend of mine um Jason Michael Webb was the MD on it at the time or he period and uh he um he asked me to come in and uh, I came in and I kind of held my breath the whole time. I'm like, Look, these people done told me already. They don't think that I'm right for this show. I'm going to come in because y'all guys want me to come in. But I know I'm, you're not going to book me for it. So that was kind of the attitude I had the entire time. Was just being very polite and be, you know, doing the work, coming in, being diligent, being open, being warm, but really having no expectation of booking it. Mm -hmm. um, so when I got to the final callbacks, it was down to me and one other young lady who I adore. Um, it was like, okay, well, Lord, whatever, you know, however this goes, I'm okay. I have peace with whatever, you know, I, if it's for her, it's for her. I wish her well. If it's for me, wonderful. I hope she wishes me well too, but it can go in either direction and I'll still be, you know, feeling pretty full. Yeah. Um, and I booked it and I was so stunned because I had been in the season of drought and I really didn't think this would be the thing that pulled me out of it. Yeah. Um, and I remember getting the call and just sobbing. I was teaching at Brooklyn Academy of Music at the time. Um, uh, one of their summer programs that my dad had been conducting. Um, and um, I just sobbed. I just sobbed. And I was and I was ready to get back into the ring. You know what I mean? I kind of put on my gloves for a bit. Um, and so I actually joined the company in the last two weeks that Heather Headley was there. Mm. Um, Jokina, I believe at the time was like six months pregnant or something crazy, like yeah. whatever, whatever, however pregnant she was, it was like, what? and you couldn't tell. And she was still yeah. doing an incredible job. Um, and, um, a friend of mine had just joined the cast and I had a number of friends that were in the cast. Um, and so it felt kind of like a coming home in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, because there were so many people who I love that were there already and that were fond of me. And that's what I love about our industry is that we are really, when we love each other, we love each other down, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it was such a blessing to be able to get in there, squeak in there with Heather, Heather Headley because she was, she was just so warm and so wonderful. And just watching her is just such a masterclass. She, she's just, she's just wonderful. Um, and then, um, and and it was just an, a real affirming to me, especially coming from my, my last job that was as a swing, um, to be given an onstage role when you didn't ask to be a swing or when you didn't sign up for the swing them. Yeah. Um, it was, it took a, it took a blow. I took a blow with that one, but I wound up learning a lot and loving it and growing so much from that experience. I would never treat it for anything at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, but then the the show closed maybe four or five months after I joined mm -hmm. that January and that very same week I had, I think it, the show closed, I think on the 9th of January mm -hmm. and I had my first audition for Hamilton on the 11th. Mm -hmm. 
same casting office, Telsey. Um, that's why I try to be, you know, even if it's something I don't necessarily want to go in for, I'm like, I'll give it to Telsey, I'm doing it. I'm going to go ahead and put put my my, my name did in the Did you not want to go in for Hamilton? No, I did. Oh, okay. I did. I'm just saying it as a reference to oh, okay. know, when we when we were offered auditions yeah. and sometimes the things that we don't really necessarily care for, the what you what we tend to forget sometimes as actors or performers is um, that we're building a relationship with the acting with the with the uh, mm -hmm. casting agents mm -hmm. that they that they even if it's not we know we're not right for it we still go in for it because. We respect them. We want them to see another side of us, X, Y, and Z. And if it goes forward, then it does. And if it doesn't, then, you know, whatever. But I, I always try to respond to agencies that, you know, continue to call me in because I want them to see my colors and see my consistency and see my range. Um, so you had your Hamilton audition. Was that, what type of audition was it for? Was it just like a general come in for Hamilton for whatever role? Or was it a swing? Was it, what was it for? It was specifically for a standby position. Okay. Um, and I, I think there may have been five other girls in the audition, all of whom I knew. Some were very, very dear friends of mine. Um, and it was always for, I think it was for an immediate replacement in Chicago for a mm -hmm. standby position. But I was the only person that was asked to come in for the universal standby position. Um and um, I, was, I don't think anybody, to my understanding, when I spoke to these women, that was the only person that had been given that specific request. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I had my first audition. And I think it went really well. Uh, and then, you know, there were a couple of other follow-ups over the next couple of months. I had some gigs out of town that I had to go and do, and they honored that. And, you know, um, I think it was June they called me and had me come and do like a refresher of the information, like a general dance call of information that I had already learned, you know, sing through the material one more time that I had already sung and learned. Um, and I started May 9th, 2017. And here we are. So, there you go. Um, yeah. So can you tell those listening what a universal standby is as opposed to just a regular standby? I mean, I know what it is, but some people might not know. Um, the difference is that um, well, prior to this specific position, I gotta, I gotta pat myself on the back here, is that that did, that was not an actual contract in existence with equity. So with my accepting this position, it actually created a brand new contract under, under equity. Um, and, um, and it's basically someone who I was stationed on Broadway. That was my home base. But whenever there was a need, it was just like a universal swing in another company in the U.S. specifically. So I never went to London. Um, I would be shipped out to cover the three sisters in any of the U.S. companies for whatever a lot of time that they requested. Mm -hmm. um, and um, the difference between the swing and the standby is that the standbys exclusively cover principal tracks and the swings cover ensemble and or principal tracks um so I, I would just cover the three sisters i didn't do any ensemble uh work uh and that i did until 2019 i want to say maybe january february 2019 so i did it for three years yeah and so 
now you're starring as Angelica. So how did that come? Yes, nobody can see what we're doing, but we're like, yeah, we're great. Um, so <laughs> how did the role of Angelica full-time come about? When I, uh, I think in one of the years of uh, negotiations, I think I just made it known to mm -hmm. the to creative team that whenever, if ever, Mandy chose to leave, that I would like to be considered to take over. Um, so I think half of the battle is letting them know specifically what you want. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I think Mandy, you know, she had been here as long as long, but longer than I had been with the company. I think she joined 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, and when he came back after the pandemic, you know, Mandy was pretty open about her, her bout with, um, cancer. Mm -hmm. I think she, after she went through that and then she went through the pandemic, I think something in her said, you know what? There are, there are other things, there are other paths yeah. that I want to continue to invest in. And so um, she lovingly passed the torch on to me. Um, and um, I mean, I was just sitting here waiting, you know, saying, I mean, not waiting for her in particular, yeah. but just waiting for whatever the next opportunity was. And, and Because for myself, after the pandemic, I had two kids. So mm -hmm. the, the options drastically change mm -hmm. in terms of, what I would think to do, what I would prioritize my trajectory um, when it comes down to, you know, what I'd really be looking to do career-wise. Yeah. yeah, so let's talk about, you do have young kids. I don't know their ages, um, but, you know, pandemic, had, did you have the kids during the pandemic? Or was uh -huh. it, oh, wow, yeah. So is it like two under two or something? Yes, at one time it was two under two. Now one is two and a half and the other is one. Okay. Uh, like 13 months. Um, yeah. But it's crazy. Yeah. It's so this is why people don't have children in these. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have any kids and I work in uh, the medical field and like two of my coworkers do. And I was, I'm like, I don't have kids, but I get what they're saying. Um, yeah. So I, you say it's crazy, but you know, it's the holiday season. You have your holiday schedule. You're in a a role that won a Tony, you're in like the biggest musical known to man. How is that balance for you? It's really day by day, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, it's been a real learning curve to go from, you know, singing occasionally, all, you know, being off stage and getting a certain amount of rest and singing occasionally and then singing every single day. Excuse me, that's my fault. Um, and, um, that 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 is a learning curve within itself, mm -hmm. um, and a bit of a struggle sometimes um, because you everything in your life has a very specifically allotted time frame, mm -hmm. even down to when I eat at night. I have to eat during the show to be able to get home and go to bed so that I can be up in the morning with my kids. I can't go home and then eat and then wait for my food to digest before I go to bed so it's like everything feels so very regimented you have to have a great deal of discipline and even when you have the discipline even still it's not enough you know because you know kids are wild cards you know sometimes they sleep through the night most of I mean my daughter just started sleeping through the night yes. timing too holiday season sleeping through the night perfect <laughs> 
Okay. Just started. And, and I, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard because they are up there and, and because you want to be your full self with them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't want to be a zombie. I don't want to be a slug. I don't want to be on my phone. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be, you know, watching television or trying to get me time in because my time with them is so short during yeah. the day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that it, it, you know, you, you, mom guilt is very real in that it is ever present. Mm-hmm. Huh. But um, you just try each day to let go of the day before mm-hmm. and promise yourself that you're going to check in with yourself at some point throughout the day so that you're not jumping through hoops on E, on empty. You know what I mean? It's just very easy to do when you start the day with your alarm clock as a child screaming, you know, and you get up, you're like, ah, I got to do the dogs, got to go for a walk, you got to feed this one, you got to do that, you got to call this one back, you got to, you know what I mean? And it, and it, it the marathon is very, very real. Yeah. It's very, very real. But the key for me is stopping to be able to count the blessings in the mall because I have so many friends who can't have kids who want kids you know what I mean who you know are still looking for their partner like I can't I can't complain about it yeah I really can't because my I have a very full life mm-hmm. and, I, and it's hard but it's full yeah I, I mentioned before we started that I am going to ask about dream roles, which I'm going to do now, but that also kind of plays into like work as a working mom, where do you kind of see your career going after Hamilton? And do you have any dream roles that kind of play into that? I mean, it's hard because especially with this round of negotiations happening over at equity, where we are trying to fight for life, our lifestyles. Mm-hmm. We're trying to fight for being able to maintain, you know, our personal life, you know, that balance, mm-hmm. balance out our lives. So we're not just, you know, driving ourselves into the ground. Um, and it's, and because eight show a week is so hard on the body, um, it's hard to really confidently, uh, have a trajectory trajectory. I think one, one of the main lessons that having children um, teaches you um, is flexibility, mm-hmm. go low, whatever it's going to, it's going to do what it's going to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're, I mean, we're not, a, we're, I'm not alone. And I think that's the biggest thing is that we have, there is a community of mothers out here. There's Raina White over at um, some like it hot. Who's got three little boys. I don't know how she's doing that with three I said oh I know for sure once I have three that's that's it (laughs) but but she's doing it and it's it's inspiring to be able to look to my left and my right seats Shelly Williams out here directing and and Audra's going back into uh, um um the Ohio State murders and you know you've just got women to your left and your and your right who are powering through so I know it can be done you know um but I just, uh, it just affirms in me that there is no pathway right now. There's no singular trajectory. Like you just kind of got to throw it all out there and see what sticks. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, there's, you know, I want to do film and TV. Of course, everybody wants to do film and TV, but there's three roles on film and TV. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's going to somebody who already does film and TV. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's, you know, I want to do voiceover. Yeah, it's great, but the voiceover is also very close field, and it's also something that requires a whole nother type of discipline and availability and responsiveness. And though I have gotten some voice over things, being able to maintain that while maintaining, it's just, it's a lot. So the, the bottom line is, girl, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You'll figure it out once it happens. But with that right. being said, like, do you have any dream roles that you would like to tackle? Dream when, roles? I mean, when, like, when you get them, you figure it out situation, I guess. Honestly, a, some like it hot has a role that I think I would love to sing the music in, but all that dancing, I don't know. That might have been. I have not seen it yet, but it is on like the top of my list. It's good. Adriana. Oh, Adriana is killing them out there. Um, she is I saw her in six and I'm like, she's incredible. She's, she's, she's amazing. So is Jay. Jay Harrison G. He's over there. He's yeah. killing it. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, the, the song she sings, I would love to sing at some point in my life. I don't know if I'm, you know, that role will necessarily happen, but for me, honestly, I think for a dream role, it's one that I originate. Yeah. I want to originate a role. I think that's that would be the dream more so than replaying something that already exists. Yeah. Do you have any top going theater experiences that have really stuck with you other than like um, your what? first top going theater experiences other mm-hmm. than like your first show being Les Mis, as we discussed? I remember seeing Audra in this theater playing Bess opposite Mm -hmm. Louis. And when I say I had chills all night after the performance was over, anything Audra does, honestly, seeing her in Lady Day was incredible. I saw saw that show and I called my mom after and I was like, it was literally watching a masterclass in acting. She's there's, she, it's, she's Audra. That's all you can say. I mean, point blank and period but I think I think that that probably what left the most indelible mark on me is watching her in part Porgy and Bess and her commitment to it I can still feel the chills that she left me with yeah for the rest of the day. I, I, I yeah so we've come towards the end now I do like to ask the inside the actor studio questions so there's 10 really quick questions what mm-hmm. is your favorite word favorite word probably poop sticks that's fantastic and i would like to steal that and use that in my everyday life now please i do i i poop sticks great i it's gonna happen and my friends yeah my friends are gonna be like what is that i go just enjoy the word (laughs) what is your your least favorite word moist yeah i don't like it It's, it's a common one uh, mm-hmm. What turns you on? What turns me on? It's going to have to be watching my husband tap dance on stage. That's the biggest turn on. Uh, we can leave it there. Uh, <laughs> what turns you off? Uh, turns me off? Um, hmm. What turns me off? <sighs> Not being genuine. Yeah. Disingenuousness, I guess, if that's a word. Yeah. 
What's your favorite curse word? Oh, shit. What sound or noise do you love? I love the sound of my children's laughter. What sound or noise do you hate? Probably construction. Yeah. What sound? Oh, no, that's a repeated word. That repeated question. What oh. profession other than yours would you like to attempt? Hmm. Other than mine, would I like to attempt? Hmm. Maybe like fashion design. I don't know. That's a lie. I have no idea. Okay. Whatever you want. Yes, I want to cook. I want to bake. Do it. Yeah. Uh, what profession would you not like to do? Garbage truck. <laughs> I know they make a lot of money. It, well, it'd be quite smelly too. Um, mm -hmm. And finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? That I did a good job. And then as James Lipton would say, here are your students. <sighs> So um, we are at the end, but I always, when I remember to, I always like to end the podcast recording with this question. Why do you think theater is important? Theater is important because it connects us all with the human experience. It, 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 it forces us to have to put aside our judgments and our preconceived notions about people. And as actors, we have to commit to characters that we may not necessarily agree with 100% and find the humanity in them. As audience members, we are, our eyes are opened and we are experiencing a common human experience, whether it be love or shame or grief or, you know, disappointment and feel what it is to go through that thing. And I think it just keeps us connected. It keeps us human, keeps us feeling, um, keeps us pondering, wondering, wandering, you know. Um, it keeps us going in a different way. And I think it's so important to touch base in that way. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. It was really wonderful talking to you and getting to know you and hearing all of the wonderful insight you have about being a working actor and a working mother. And if you haven't already seen her in Hamilton as Angelica, please go and see Hamilton. Um, I'm going to stop the recording, but you can still hang on. Uh, thank you. Yeah. So much. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we end? Uh, yeah, just one thing I always say mm -hmm. whenever I get the opportunity is that comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, don't let yourself get stuck in the rut of comparing yourself, comparing your, your gifts or your, you know, the things that are innately within you or the things that are, are given to other people or whatever, just don't get stuck in comparison and just count your blessings. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great way to end the podcast. Well, thank you so much for being on and thanks for those listening. Mm -hmm.